Hey there, and welcome to Hoops and Hotpot, the greatest basketball podcast coming out of Capramatta, Sydney, Australia. I'm Alex Manazir, and I'm here with my co-host Alex Dang, and Alex, Kawhi. Oh my gosh, I am so excited for today's pod. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm just going down this list of uh, just this PG trade as well that came alongside the Kawhi move. I think this... I've never been so confused as to who's going to win the championship next season. And the craziest thing for me is neither of the teams who were in the finals last season have a shot. Yeah, I, it's it's amazing. Like when, when someone told me Kawhi signed with the Clippers, I was like, okay, sure. But who's the second star? Is it just going to be Kawhi, you know, Shea, Shea Gilgis, Alexander and um, Lou Will? Like, why, why would he not go to the Lakers if the alternative was going to the Clippers with nobody? And then two seconds later, someone told me, oh my goodness, Paul George just signed with the Clippers. And I was like, what the heck? Like, can he even do that? Exactly. And look, there was a tweet from the mayor of Oklahoma City um, <laughs> right after the news broke. And he said, I guess free agency <laughs> happens all the time now. You know, uh, Paul George is in now the third season yep. of a four-year contract with Oklahoma City yep. and basically forced his way out yet again. Okay. So for our listeners, do you want to just quickly read out what OKC got for Paul George? And it was quite the haul. I think classic Sam Presti. He's not the best in the draft, but he really knows his way around the trade market. So Clippers receive Paul George. Thunder receive Clippers 2022 first round pick, 2024 first round pick, 2026 first round pick, 2023 first round pick swap, 2025 first round pick swap, Miami 2021 first pick, Miami 2023 first pick protected 1 through to 14th, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and Danilo Gallinari, and that is quite the haul for a guy who's maybe like a second tier star with two years left on his contract. Yeah, this is like this is just all the picks, right? Like this is just all the picks. I thought when AD went to the Lakers, that was all the picks. This is all the picks. Oh, stop rolling. I mean, yeah, yeah. This is just this is just all the picks, right? Like OKC can basically has a fresh start again. Um, this is going back to when they first started drafting guys like Durant and Westbrook yeah. and Harden. OKC just has it all. They have a fresh slate. I imagine if you're OKC, you're probably looking to get rid of Westbrook now as well. That's an interesting question because I think it gives them a good cover to trade Westbrook without coming under fire, right? Yeah. Uh, a, a common you know thing that's said about these small market teams like your Oklahoma City and your New Orleans Pelicans is that you got to treat your superstar like they're the absolute bee's knees. You have to give them their every single wish and command. The apple's bee's knees? That, yeah, the apple bee's knees. <laughs> I think in Oklahoma City, they eat a lot of apple bees. Uh, we don't really have it here in Cabra, but um, yeah. it's, it's like sizzler tea, right? Yeah, I heard it's pretty good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think they literally just microwave the food, but okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, it's American cuisine. That's, yeah. that's how far we've come. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Russell Westbrook might not be eating apple bees much longer because uh, this gives them the perfect cover to trade him away, start again. Uh, but my question is, Russell Westbrook's contract, he's going to be making $47 million a year at the age of 35. Who's trading for him? Yeah, look, I don't, I don't imagine any contender wanting Westbrook on their roster. I mean, if he gets traded, I imagine it would just be to a similar team where like, he'd be in some kind of like purgatory. Like, yeah, he can put up his numbers. We, we know he's a triple-double yeah. machine now. Like, we can just expect that of him every year. But... As far as progressing any further than the first or maybe second round, I didn't see that happening. Do you? I don't know. I don't think there's a single team that he, at his contract, I don't see a single team with the cap space to not only absorb his contract, uh, but surround him with the correct players that they need to make a run. In my eyes, uh, you need to put him in a D'Antoni style system 
where because of his stamina, because of his explosiveness, you can have him dribble the ball for 16 seconds per shot clock and get results because he's, if there's one thing he's good at, it's drawing gravity inside the paint on those drives. Yep. But anyway, uh, this isn't an Oklahoma City Thunder Yeah, I realized we started with a Kawhi and PG um, trade and we've just been talking about Westbrook. Yeah, and I, I, I don't want to relitigate the Westbrook point anymore than it already has. <laughs> I think you know, three first round exits, enough has been said. The Clippers, yeah. they have two of, in my opinion, the, the top four, the top three or four two-way wings in the league, Kawhi yeah. and PG. Uh, phenomenal defensive players, phenomenal offensive players. Uh, how, what's their ceiling? How far do you see them going this season? I mean, it's crazy. They have, like you said, two of the best two-way players in the league. In my opinion, they're amongst the top three. Like, you can have in, in any order you want. Durant pre-injury, Paul George, Kawhi. Like, and maybe Giannis in there if you count him. Oh, yeah. I forgot that guy. Sorry. Yeah, but, a lot of people did. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um. What? Didn't he win, like, an MVP when it didn't matter anymore or something? Oh, that is such a... F- I hate how they put the award ceremony after the season's already over. It's like... Before, there was this cool thing where, you know, Dirk would win the MVP and people would be like, oh, Dirk, you know, let's uh, yeah. let's see how far he goes in the playoffs. Yeah. And he gets knocked down in the first round by the We Believe Warriors. And there's drama. I live for that. I wanted to see Giannis prove it. <laughs> yeah. uh, instead, he just gets the award after he gets knocked out. Yeah, like I feel like sometimes you see the player, the MVP, elevate to another level mid-playoffs when they win that, when they officially win that Absolutely. MVP award. But anyway, that's, off, that's another question for another day. You asked me, what do I think their ceiling is? I think... These guys are definitely in the driver's seat for a chip now. Yeah. Clip Clip City, Chip City, right? Um, but I think, yeah, they that's it's their chip to lose now, so to speak. I know in the same building they're versing LeBron and AD, but given those four players, I'd take PG and Kawhi on my team over LeBron and AD. We don't know what LeBron's going to be like. I'm sure he'll still put up 27, yeah. 7 and 7. He's LeBron. Yeah, but... He's definitely on the decline of his career. Even if the Clippers don't win this year, they've got Kawhi and PG at the better, on the, the good side of 30 years old. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Even if it takes them a year or two to figure some things out, they've got at least a five-year five window to win a championship now. Yeah, and with all of the great sort of two-star teams that we've seen over the last couple of years, you know, I think of uh, Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant or um, the Cavs with Kyrie and LeBron and, I guess, Kevin Love as a third star, or, or even the pre-Durant uh, Warriors where it was Steph and Draymond with, with Clay and a few other guys making awesome contributions. Um, you know, whether it's a big two and a half or a big three, the problem we've always seen with these teams is an inconsistent supporting cast. When you pay two guys that much money, uh, you don't always have the flexibility to, to get good players, but the Clippers have prepared for this. They traded their big stars, Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, years ago, they loaded up with assets. They have an amazing deep roster, which took Golden State to six games. Uh, I think that was an amazing sort of uh, a pitch for Kawhi. You know, he was watching that surely from his couch in Toronto, watching these Clippers hustle their way to six games against the Warriors. Uh, they're not going to run to the same problems that these star-studded teams usually have. Yeah, I think you mentioned Toronto in there, and that's something that I wanted to talk about because. Really, the three options that the the main storylines were Lakers, Clippers, or stay in Toronto, right? Yeah. And in my mind, I had already ruled out Toronto. I was like, we because they won a championship, a lot of the blemishes and struggles of that run really got covered up. Yeah. Like, did we forget that he had to hit a literal Game 7 buzzer beater to win against Philly? And yep. Joel Embiid didn't even show up for two of those games due to whatever it was he was dealing with. Like... It's not as if they just ran through the East and swept every team along the way. Heck, they lost game one to the Magic. Yeah. And, like, 
Giannis is only going to take another step up next year. So we don't know if he's even going to get through Giannis again next year. And Kawhi was hobbled. Like, that was so un... Like, that was like a low-key storyline that kind of just got swept under the rug. Yeah. Kawhi was... Kawhi took a quarter of the games off almost, and he was hobbled. So now he's... In my opinion, like I said in our last pod, the Clippers are like the feel good team of the the feel good team of the West, kind of yep. like the Pacers were. And all in my opinion, all he did was go to a place where his supporting cast got upgraded. Almost every player, player by player down the roster, is better than what his alternative would have been on the Raptors. Absolutely, and I think the real crux of that is, and the reason why we didn't talk about all these things after the Raptors won the chip was because we needed to give them space to celebrate, right? Yeah. And I know people are going to say asterisk, asterisk. Yeah. In my mind, there are no asterisks, you know? You play the team that you're given. Yes, they were fortunate a couple of times along the way. That buzzer beater, I think, absolute hero shot. But the Clippers played, sorry, the Sixers played nearly flawless defense yeah. on that last possession. It looked like they were going to take an OT if it went there. Golden State lost two of their biggest stars. Uh, it took a lot to happen. The stars needed to align for the Raptors to win that chip. And... It sounds insane because I think guys like Siakam and Fred Van Vliet are only on the rise, OG Ananobi. Uh, but I think we saw the best the Raptors were ever going to give us in that playoffs run. And I think to a certain level, Kawhi recognised that. Yeah, I think this is definitely one of those Mavericks, Dirk Mavs moments, right? Where it's like, all the stars aligned, things went your way. And it's, like you said, it's good that he recognised that was the case and jumped ship before it was yeah. too late. But since we're on the topic of Toronto, I want to quickly just have a peek at what their situation is like. We knew going into this year, it was very possible Kawhi was a one-year rental and that um, by the end of it, he could have just walked and Toronto would pretty much be in a position where they have no choice but to rebuild. Well, that situation is here now. So now what? So we know that Sam Presti used the Raptors as leverage against the Clippers. He offered Russell Westbrook and Paul George in exchange for Siakam and a host of picks. In the end, uh, the Raptors couldn't quite offer what the Thunder were looking for, and that's why he ended up uh, with the Clippers. But to me, Siakam is your future in that roster. He's the perfect big for the modern NBA. He can handle the ball. He can drive in a straight line. He's a great screen setter. He's starting to develop his shot. He's already money from the corners. Just needs to extend that range out above the break. He's got all the makings of a future star. And in my opinion, in the playoffs, he was already there. He had already arrived, you know? It was like when Kawhi won finals MVP against the Heat all those years ago. I think there were were a few games where you could have asked for more for him. I think he disappeared in a couple of games. Once again, championship run hides all the blemishes. When you're the winner, people see W. They don't see, yeah, but this. Yeah, but that. Like, we look back and we see anybody's rings. We probably forget, like, the lucky breaks they had here and there but all you see is championship you know victory is forever they say absolutely and that's fine because they always say you know luck is where opportunity meets preparation yeah <laughs> the, the raptors were prepared and they won a ring because of it uh and i don't want to take that away from them but it is a it is a strange road forward for them because they have one player maybe two players in the entire roster who are good assets that's siakam and Ananobi. yeah and carl lowry marcus all fantastic contributors they played their hearts out in the finals but you cannot win a championship if they're your best players yep so what we're probably going to see in the next year i imagine is the raptors slowly stripping away their player base and beginning that rebuild process and you know they've they've got a blue chip player going into the future so they've at least got that nailed down absolutely i want to look more into the clippers now 
because we haven't actually talked about them that much. Let's talk about the 82-game schedule now. So, you know, you walk into game one, you've got Kawhi, you've got PG. I assume your starting point guard is probably going to be Pat Bev. Yep. Um, you may be playing Zubac at the center position. Who's that last guy? Well, you've also got Lou Williams and Montre Harrell off the bench, which... No more needs to be said about them. They yeah. prove themselves in the playoffs. Lou somehow cooks the Warriors every single time they play, especially <laughs> in Staples Arena. Um, but they, they don't really need much more than that because if you watch, I guess, what modern playoffs basketball looks like now, if you can't shoot, you're, you're not very useful. You need to be extremely skilled at one other thing. And you know, for guys like Montre, it was the hustle. It was the offensive rebounding. It was the pick and roll, being able to you know, dash the rim, catch a lob and dunk it. Uh, that's you need to have that if you're a big who can't shoot. The good thing is the Clippers are loaded with guys who are good defenders, who can shoot the open three, uh, who aren't going to be liabilities in the playoffs. And once you have that down, it comes down to your stars, right? We always say it's a superstar league. Yep. Kawhi's already proven himself at the highest level, not just once, but twice. And poor George is happy to be second banana to that. I mean, he's the ideal second star. Yeah, I'm just thinking if you're on the Clippers, you have a luxury in terms of your defense. You probably have arguably the two best defenders in terms of the small forward position on yep. your roster. So anytime you need to put the clamps on somebody, for example, it's you know you're versing um, Harden's Rockets yep. in round two of the playoffs. You you can alternate between Kawhi and Paul George, and you know the tri- the dip in defensive effort and ability there is going to be very minimal. Like that's such such a luxury. They can take away the two best options on the on, on most opposing players' team. And now that Golden State is dismantled, there are no free-headed beasts anymore. Absolutely. All the teams now in the league are one-two punches, and you've got the two guys who can like just put the clamps on somebody. And the, the crazy thing to me is we've never quite seen a team that is constructed around its perimeter defense, right? If I look at the Raptors, the reason why I think their defense was so stifling in the playoffs, and, and the same goes for teams like uh, your Milwaukee's and your Indiana's, is because their bigs were just so smart defensively. Uh, they knew that guys like Carl Lauer and Fred Van Vliet were going to be absolute bulldogs up in the perimeter. All they had to do was be in the right position at the right time, and they'd be able to cover up all of the flaws in the game. Things like, oh, I can't switch off to Steph Curry to pick and roll. You don't have to. You can just sag off in the paint because no one else on the Warriors can shoot, and you can just play one role and do it really well. The good thing is the Clippers, they don't have elite defensive bigs. Zubach is it's okay. Harrell is not that good. But if you give them one role to do, which is to lurk in the paint, try to protect the rim, don't step out too far, trust your perimeter defenders with, I guess, funneling the, the ball handlers into the correct position, you can defend a lot better and you can take advantage of your size and not have to worry about how quick your feet are or how good your defensive IQ is. Yeah, and sorry, not to disregard anything you just said, but another thought just popped into my mind when I was reading up a bit on Go this ahead. Kawhi and PG stuff. Um, they were the two players that were switched around for each other when they first got drafted, right? Absolutely. Like, the Spurs were meant to get Paul George, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the Pacers were meant to get Kawhi, and then they got swapped. And then it was always like, oh, if you're the Pacers, like, imagine if you had Kawhi, you know? Yeah, and now they're theoretical. Like, yeah. isn't, like the, like, the NBA is just one of those things where it's like, anything that can happen will happen. Like, it's just crazy, like, how this stuff happens in the NBA. Yeah, and the variance is higher every year, you know. Obviously, we had that comment from the Oklahoma City mayor about how free agency isn't really a thing anymore because yeah. everyone's in free agency all the time. Yeah, uh, We just saw one of the craziest off-seasons ever, and I guess this is this is what you see, this is what you get, you know. 
two yeah. super teams in LA doing against each other. Yeah, what a time to be a Lakers. I mean, uh, someone living in the LA area right now. Yeah, like you can go to Staples Center any other night of the week, and you're guaranteed to see two superstars yeah. playing on like. Oh my gosh! Like so much value living there right now. Yeah. Going to any game. Oh, well, maybe that's why Kawhi wanted to go there. Yeah, maybe. yeah front row seats to the Lakers. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, I read. I read he saved over the course of his contract. He's gonna save fifty million dollars from not having to pay Canadian taxes. Man, like that's a hell of an incentive to um come to LA. <laughs> yeah, and makes me think if there's a market inefficiency in in your agent's accountant. You know, if you can find your way around those tax loopholes, <laughs> maybe you don't have to play in your, your Dallas or your Miami. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the third potential place that Kawhi could have gone to, which was the Lakers. Now, personally, I'm very glad he didn't go to the Lakers because, in my opinion, AD, LeBron, and Kawhi together is a more formidable team than Steph, Clay, and KD. Oh, absolutely. And, like, we have just come out of an era, a, a dynastic era, where the Warriors basically owned the league for the better part of five years. And it's, it's like a breath of fresh air to right. most people. They're like, wow, it's a, it's a whole new world. We can do whatever we want. Like, we can finally put together a team with a reasonable hope of winning instead of bending a knee to the Warriors. If Kawhi had gone to the Lakers, like, that would have just been unfair, right? Surely. Yeah, and it would have left people... Um, I think there's some people who would have liked to see that because it's been a while since LeBron's won and he's the face of the league and you know anything that's good for LeBron is good for me. But uh, certainly after we've seen what happened to the Warriors where they lost the finals because of two key injuries, every fan would basically just be holding out for that. you know. And it really sucks to cheer for injuries. You, don't, you hate to see it yeah. when a good player goes down. But there's no way any team in the league was beating Kawhi, AD and LeBron, uh, notwithstanding injuries to one of them. Yeah, so personally, I'm very glad that he didn't go to the Lakers. But my, if I'm Kawhi, I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm wondering why didn't he go to the Lakers? Like, you're, you're talking about almost guaranteed rings at this point. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, why do you think, if you, if you were to dive into the mindset of Kawhi, why would you not go to the Lakers? Well, we've heard that he wanted to build his own team. Across the hallways at Staples Center. You know, he wanted the LA lifestyle. He's from there to begin with. Um, but he thought there's an opportunity to start fresh here with a second start. And so he recruited Paul George. And to me, I mean, I don't want to get into the, the high-level narrative of, you know, the battle for LA or anything like that. Yeah. But that's really exciting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like everyone says, because I'm not from America, so I can't relate personally, but everyone says the Clippers will never own LA no matter what, even if they have the better team. Um, but you know, I feel like the Clippers are a feel good story. They're they're not that hateable. Like you don't have Chris Paul as the oh, face okay. of the Clippers, and thank like I want to punch Chris Paul in the face every time I see him. He, like he has a demeanor and a face that just makes you want to punch him in the face. I don't know about you. That's just how I feel every time I see him. That seems a bit harsh, man. Um, what about Cliff Paul from State Farm? You a fan of him? Uh, no, I don't like that guy either. He's yeah. I don't know. That's not Chris Paul, is it? Uh, it looks pretty similar. I think that's his relative his or something. Relative, yeah. Because that guy's likeable. There's no way he's got time to do all the acting and all that. Yeah. Surely not. Yeah, surely. I mean, he already does a lot of acting on the court, so... Ooh, okay. I want to talk a little bit more about Russell Westbrook. Durant left. Ibaka left. Yep. Harden left. Yep. Now PG has left. Yep. Is this... Does this say something about Westbrook? I know in our last pod, you made a snide remark about Westbrook being an all-star, and I want to take you up on that so let's talk about it now does this say something about Westbrook that PG left after two years of trying with him 
It absolutely does. And look, to Westbrook's credit, uh, Paul George made it clear that he wanted to go to LA a few years ago. Yeah. And then he ended up signing a four-year contract with OKC, which uh, kind of doesn't make much sense in the aftermath unless you go with the theory that free agency isn't real and every player is always in free agency, Yeah. which might be closer to the truth than we care to admit. <laughs> um, but look, OKC, three years post-Durant, three first-round exits, and one of the... like. I just remember that first year that poor George landed in OKC with Melo. Yeah. Uh, and the big three. <laughs> the big... <laughs> oh, it was a big something. Uh, and Westbrook just shot them out of the game against the Jazz. He, he took it on himself to guard Ricky Rubio at half court, which still uh, is just completely beyond me. I don't understand. Like, yeah. That's just not a good basketball move. Uh, we've seen the best of what he can give us, and it's not championship basketball. And... I don't, I don't want to theorise and say, oh, no one wants to play with Russ. I don't think that's it. I think people don't want to play in OKC. Not only because, you know, it's not the most exciting place to be, but they don't play good basketball. And not only is it not effective, it's not fun. Okay, so you think if Russell Westbrook played in Chicago, yeah. you think people would be more inclined to play with him there, even if he played the same way he does now? I think so. And so, so you look, think it's a market problem? Well, well, I don't know. I don't know how big the difference is between a small market and a big market. You yeah. know, uh, enough has been said about New York and LA. Everyone wants to be there. Yeah. In your second tier, you've got your Chicago's, your Boston's, your Philadelphia's, and your Golden State. Yeah. I don't know how big the difference is between those two, but I think it really drains on you when you look at the history of this Thunder squad. The fact that Durant left because they couldn't give him a good enough situation. He hated it there. You know, he hated Billy Donovan. Hit everyone on the roster except for Russ. Yeah. So I don't want to say it's a Russ issue. Uh, it's an issue that Russ is a factor in, but I think we don't know enough to say it's his personality or I hate playing with this guy. I just think he's not offering a good enough product. Okay, so you're of the opinion that Russell Westbrook is not a superstar. Can you defend that take? I feel like the onus is on you to defend that take. Superstars should not lose in the first round when they have poor George as their teammate. Okay. I, I'm sorry, but he's had more than enough chances to get it done. He plays the same way every time. I just... If every time you shoot the ball, there's a less than 40% chance of it going in, I don't see how you can justify taking more than 12 or 13 shots a game as the first option on your team. I just think they're, they're hard-capped with how good they are with Russell Westbrook. If he's a superstar, he should be doing what superstars do. That's it. Okay, well, I I do have to admit... The last three years have not been on my side in terms of defending this take, you know, getting bounced by the Jazz, getting bounced yep. by the Rockets, getting bounced by Damian Lillard's Trailblazers. But for me, a definition of a superstar is someone that is the cornerstone and the foundation of your team. Someone that you put on your team and you deal with the rest later. Yeah. Right? So people like LeBron, Durant, Steph Curry, those are superstars. And I feel like Russell Westbrook is amongst that list of people he's someone you can put on a team and you know you can pencil in about like you know 22 points 10 rebounds and 10 assists for him i feel like that meets the criteria of a superstar that's the thing for me i don't think you can just figure the rest out because of his skill set he's a ball dominant point guard who has no off ball game and has no jump shot that already makes him well, probably if he was a superstar he'd be on the lower end of that but if you have no spacing, if you have uh, you know defenders that aren't too versatile, you have Steve Adams who can't defend past 12 feet. 
Uh, you've got your Terence Ferguson who just crumbles under any size. Um, they're, they're good players. They're decent role players. Adams may be a bit overpaid, but you know we'll leave that issue for another day. Yeah. You need a very specific set of players to succeed with Russell Westbrook. And I have the same criticism of guys like LeBron, even though LeBron is a lot better than Russ is. It's the fact that you need shooters who can defend. And like I, I keep saying, a 3 and D wing is the most valuable role player in the league. That's why Danny Green is getting paid $30 million over two years to the Lakers. Because yeah. that skill set is just so valuable. I personally feel like the Lakers overpaid for him, but we can get to that later. Yeah, well, the fact of the matter is, one, Danny Green is not going to move the needle for you. You need a lot of those guys. You need a Siakum, you need a Gasol, you need a Fred Van Vliet, you need another Danny Green, a Kawhi Leonard. All of these guys need to have that skill. And given the fact that they're paying Russell Westbrook over $40 million a year, and Steven Adams $25 million a year, you do not have the flexibility to put that kind of roster around him. But if it was a Kevin Durant, if it was a Kawhi Leonard, if it was a Giannis even, I would say it, they're so good that it doesn't matter as much. You know, you don't need a specific set of players. You could probably contend with anyone. Uh, OKC just can't do that with Russ. Okay, but my question to you is, if Russell Westbrook is not that guy, are you? first of all, are you saying he's not the number one option on a team? On he can't a, be. On a championship team? There's no way okay, he can so, if he's not the number one option on a championship team, what is he? Because I don't envision him being able to be in another position. Do you know what I mean? I can, but I don't see it happening. And there's one reason. OKC gave him a Supermax extension. That contract is one of the biggest albatrosses in the entire league. You've got your Chris Paul, you've got your John Wall, you've got your Andrew Wiggins. Russell Westbrook's Supermax contract is right there with them, in my opinion. Because I feel like that's a bit harsh, but okay. Well, he's a lot better than Wiggins. He's a lot right now. He's a lot better than John Wall, who can't walk. <laughs> um, but Russell Westbrook's role on a championship team, if he's willing to buy in, and we don't even know if he is, his role is to dribble the ball in half court in transition, uh, drive and kick, run a lot of pick and rolls with shooters all around him. But there are a lot of players who do that and shoot more efi- efficiently. You know, Westbrook's uh, best attribute is Boda. But I just don't know how valuable that is when you already have a roster that's well-constructed to do all the things he does. I would rather have Kawhi Leonard get rebounds than Russell Westbrook. I'd rather have Kevin Durant or, or Giannis or, or your AD get a rebound than Russell Westbrook. The things he brings to the team that makes him better than other guards are just not that valuable. Okay. I, I feel like my more nuanced take on Westbrook is that he's not quite superstar level. But he's also above all-star level, which is sort of where I think you have him right now. He can't quite reach the heights of a Steph Curry or a LeBron or a Harden simply because um, I think he has low basketball IQ, which has been well documented. He makes bad decisions. And as somebody who followed OKC during the Westbrook Durant days, I know those frustrations and I can relate to them. But I also don't think he's an all-star. I think an all-star is putting him a bit too low because... His ceiling is so much higher than the All-Star. And, and look, that's fine. Like, you can still call him a good player. I think he's still a good player. He adds more value than he takes away. It's just how do we think of players when we evaluate them, you know? Is it how much they can lift the team? Because I'm not going to question him on that. He dragged an absolute dog crap roster uh, after KD left to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, something I thought they had no business doing without Russell Westbrook. He averaged a triple-double. He got the MVP, whether you think he deserved it or not, he won it because people recognised that what he did was amazing. Yeah. But when we evaluate players, I think what we don't do enough of is think about how they contribute to championship basketball, okay? So 
I think with Russell Westbrook as your number one guy, you have a ceiling, and you can't really break that ceiling just because his skills aren't that scalable. If you're Russell Westbrook and you have to share the ball with Paul George, your value for things like ISO basketball and transition plays already goes down because Paul George can do that as well. And now if I was to add a few more stars, if I was to throw a James Harden in the mix or an Anthony Davis in the mix, those skills become even less useful. The skills that make you more valuable are things like a consistent defensive presence, which Russell Westbrook has never had. I think of guys like Giannis who can sculpt the paint, play amazing help defense, and Anthony Davis and Draymond and Gobert are two names that come to mind when I think of that as well. Obviously Embiid as well. Uh, I think of spacing. Steph Curry is valuable even if he doesn't touch the ball because he gets double teamed at half court. And you know Harden has that same effect on teams and I would argue Kevin Durant does as well. Clay Thompson. These are scalable skills that the better your team gets, the more impact these strengths have. Which is why Draymond, to me, has always been an underrated player. Because he's got all of those skills. The one thing he doesn't have is, is an elite scoring. The ability to you know, elevate a weak team to a good team. He can't do that. Yeah. But what he can do is elevate a good team to a great team. And I think there are much fewer players capable of that in the NBA as people like to think. And Westbrook is not one of them. What if we took away the expectation of Russell Westbrook to lead his team to a championship? Because I feel like the flack he cops... He cops because there's this unspoken expectation that Westbrook is supposed to be able to carry right. a team to a championship, even not necessarily by himself, but as long as he has a star player alongside him like a poor George. Yeah. Because the expectations for them were to win a championship, whether or not people said it explicitly. Yep. Because if you didn't have those expectations of him to win a championship, then you'd be happy for him to get bounced in the second round or in the first round. What if we're just happy with him to put up amazing performances and not expect him to win. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But don't tell me he's an MVP. Don't tell me he's a top five point guard in the league. Don't tell me he's a superstar because we should have those expectations of superstars. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's what... It comes back to my other point that I think he's not an all-star. I don't think he's that bad, but he's not a superstar because I feel like he's definitely a notch above an all-star. Like, an all-star is somebody, like, think of, like, a Gordon Hayward. You yeah. would never expect, you would never put the burden on him to be able to lead a no. team to a championship. But with Westbrook, you can somewhat put that burden on him and expect him to lead a team to a championship. So I think he's, like, a one, a tier 1.5, if you will. Do you get what I mean when I say that? Yeah, yeah totally, totally understand. Um, I guess my question for you is, What's his role here on out? You know, is he going to get traded? There's reports that he's just not happy in OKC anymore with what's been going on recently. The Thunder have an absolute treasure trove of draft picks. Um, just looking at the list now, they've got no less than seven opportunities to move up in the draft. Where do you go from here? If you're OKC, do you accept that Russ is that, in your words, tier 1.5 star? Ride out the rest of his contract, try to rebuild, try to have him mentor, you know, Maybe don't play him every game. Take a couple of games so you can get a better pick. Is that the path forward for the Thunder? Or if you were going to trade him, where's he going to land? Well, I think a forgotten part that of the trade that we haven't really spoken about is the fact that OKC got Shea Gorgeous-Alexander, right. who more than outperformed expectations last year when he was on the Clippers. And you can't have... Um, <coughs> you can't have Shea Gorgeous-Alexander and Russell Westbrook on the same team. One, he's going to stunt the growth of him. Right. Because, you know, they play the same position. They're going to need the ball in their hands. Yeah. And 
with Russell Westbrook, I don't think you're ever going to get your value back for him. But I think because you've got such a treasure trove of picks for poor George, you can be okay trading Westbrook for maybe 50 cents on the dollar, 60 cents right. on the dollar. Um, because, yeah, you said it's an albatross contract. No one's ever going to be like, wow, that's value. Yeah. I would pay $40 million a year for Westbrook. But maybe, you know, a little bit less, um, then someone might be keen on taking him to just get people to sit in their seats every night and watch Russell Westbrook play and not necessarily win. Um, and, yeah, I think I think that's really what you can do with Westbrook from here. You can't keep him, surely. Yeah. There's three teams I have in mind for a potential Westbrook trade. Okay. Uh, it's the Orlando Magic, the Miami Heat, and the Chicago Bulls. So purgatory. Pur- yeah, well, oh, I don't think the Bulls are quite in purgatory like the other two teams are. Okay. Um, the Heat traded assets for to sign Jimmy Butler to make cap space for him. Yeah. And and they can still make those moves to get Westbrook. Um, but they are they are condemned to basketball purgatory. Miami will not win a ring, and I think they'd be okay with that, which is why I can see that trade happening. Yeah. With the with the Magic, I think they're in need of a point guard. Um, if there's one thing Russ can do, it's control the tempo of an offense. The results may not be pretty, but he can do it. And with guys like Mo Bamba and Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon, who probably shouldn't be handling the ball as much as they are, having a guy like Westbrook would be would be good for them. Uh, and finally, the Bulls, who uh, drafted Kobe White. He looks good, uh, but might need some veteran experience. You know, If your timeline is wait for Larry Markkinen to round out the rest of his skill set, you know, maybe in four years, three years, you're ready to compete, then maybe that contract is not so bad. Uh, but... I just, I just don't know. I think the best move for, for the Thunder is to just write out the contract and try to suck as much as you can. Okay. Let's touch on any other business happening around the league, particularly the Lakers. They've filled out some of their roster space now with the likes of Rondo, um, DeMarcus Cousins, Danny Green. They've locked down Alex Caruso from last year, yep. who gave them surprisingly decent minutes towards the end. So with these guys on the roster, I think the Lakers are starting to look fairly well-rounded i think three-point shooting is still there to be desired yeah um but you know you can always you can always try and find somebody on the free agency market before the deadline what do you think yeah like i don't hate any of the signings that the lakers did i think danny green was smart uh demarcus cousins i mean you may as well try salvage what value he has left uh caruso's proven his value rondo can be a good presence so rondo and dudley they're good veterans um, the only one I might blink at is Contavious Cadwell Pope, two years, sixteen million. Um, he's already earned his pay. Yeah. On the Lakers, like they paid him because they had nothing to do with the cap space. Yeah. And he's a clutch, uh, client. Yeah. So what if, what if you reframed his contract and thought of it as, um, service money to LeBron and Anthony Davis? Does that make that contract more? Um, consumable. Yeah, I think so. And look, he's he's a decent player. I just yeah. thought he was overpaid before. And if this is how much he's making now, and he doesn't get worse, I think that's a good signing. Uh, it is unfortunate for the Lakers that they had to wait this long for Kawhi's decision only to get turned down, because there were some good free agents on the market that got you know snatched up before they had the chance to sign them because they were waiting on Kawhi. I think of guys like Seth Curry, who is really good value shooting off the bench. I think you have Marcus Morris, who's gone to the Spurs for $20 million. Uh, these are great free agents that are out there, uh, your Bogdanovich's. But they had to wait this long, and 
I don't think they could have done much better. I don't think there are many free agents left on the market for them, and well, everyone wants to play for them, so they ended up with a pretty good haul. You know, um, there was this meme going around um, Reddit earlier this morning. Someone was like, oh, DeMarcus Cousins just signed with the Lakers. Help, I need, I need help um, further shopping this. Can <laughs> and then someone, um, they just got a picture of LeBron in a Lakers jersey and put him on the old Pelicans team that Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins are part of. Um, it's actually crazy how much of the Pelicans players ended up um, in the Lakers and speaking of DeMarcus Cousins, or Boogie, as we'll call him from now on, um, I don't love this. I don't think he showed enough on the Warriors last year. Um, and I just think he's, he's going to be in a situation where it's like, we'll take what we can get out of him, but I don't see him contributing any more valuable in a more valuable or meaningful way than he did on Golden State last year. What do you think? Look, I, I don't hate the signing. Um... I like it for the same reasons I liked him on the Warriors last season, which is you're betting on his upside. You're betting that he's still 70-80% of the player he used to be. If he's that, it's great value. If he's not, it's another playoffs liability. But for $3.5 million, who else are you going to get, really? Like, I can't, Are there that many free agents out there who can provide a consistent enough performance and get you, you know, the right amount of stats and the right amount of value that you'd rather have them instead of betting on Cousins? Yeah, look, I agree for $3 million to get someone with the stealing of a DeMarcus Cousins is pretty crazy. But as someone who followed Warriors games last year, particularly in the playoffs, his defensive lapses were just so well documented. And watching him on offense was just disgusting. Like, it was so gross. Watching him try and take guys off the dribble, and then he couldn't beat them. So then they just ended up in front of him, and he would have to try and hoist the ball up over their body. and. He had no lift at all whatsoever. He was literally like five centimeters off the ground when he was putting up his shots and they would just clank off the rim or like just bang off the backboard. It was so disgusting to watch. I like I agree, um, for three million dollars, worst case scenario, you just don't play him, right? Yeah. But how is a guy like Demarcus Cousins going to react if you disrespect him to the point of saying, We're not even gonna play you? Yeah, and I think to to the Lakers credit it's good that they've got those veterans to keep him in line. I thought he played well with Rondo on the Pelicans, and you mentioned they're basically like the New Orleans Lakers, right? They've got <laughs> Rondo, they've got AD, they've got Cousins. Uh, look, the Cousins, to me, has shown enough that I'm not worrying about his locker room presence anymore. The fact that he was willing to sign for $3.5 million says I'm willing to prove myself to recoup my value, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to do that. He was happy to come off the bench for the Warriors, have his minutes managed, uh, play a different role, you know, not suck up post possessions, but just be more of a screen and roll man or a pick and pop guy. Yep. Uh, I've seen enough from him on his time on the Warriors to know that he's probably not going to be a negative influence as far as everything outside the basketball court goes. Uh, I just think if there's one downside of this signing, it's that the Lakers are not going to be smart enough to realise that they probably can't play him in high-pressure situations. And I don't trust Frank Vogel or the front office of that team, or even LeBron and AD, who are good friends with Boogie Cousins. I don't trust them uh, to not just go to bat for their guy and say, yep, yeah, give him the minutes, you know, let him do it. He's a star. He deserves this. I don't know if there's anyone on that team who's smart enough to manage that. Yeah. Okay, let's... Last thing. 2020 playoff matchup. The finals... Matchup. Who is it? Who you got? 
the basketball rationalist in me says that the Clippers and the Sixers are the best teams in their respective conferences. We've already explained why we like the Clippers. Um, I just think you have two guys in the most valuable position on the court. That is the, the two-way wing. The guy who can shoot, the guy who can defend. You've got a deep bench. I think that makes you better than a Lakers that will have an aging LeBron, will have a really good host of role players, but all with clear flaws, you know? I think guys like DeMarcus Cousins and Quinn Cook and Rajon Rondo are good players, but they've got crucial flaws, which limits their upside on a championship roster. Whereas there's almost no one in the Clippers that makes me think that. I'm confident that Lou Will can play in a tight game. I'm confident that Montre Harrell and Patrick Beverly and Landry Shamet will add value in those situations. Um, but I just have question marks for a lot of this Lakers supporting cast. So for me, it comes down to if it's between those two, which I'm like we haven't even talked about, you know, teams like Memphis or, or Utah yet. Yeah. yeah, or the Rockets. Or the Rockets. Why did I say Memphis? I, I guess I thought Mark Conley and Marcus Gasol were still on there. Yeah, because that team always um, contended for rings in and out. They, they were always good for two really ugly games against the <laughs> contending team. Which would take enough gas out of them for them to lose the next series, like the Spurs. Oh, the Kingmakers. Yeah, the Kingmakers, yeah. You know what wants to play the Grizzlies, man? Um, yeah, we haven't even begun to mention teams like the Jazz or the Rockets. But to me, the Clippers, uh, they're in the front running. And I think their management and their coaching is smart enough uh, for them to at least meet expectations, if not surpass them. And in the East, the Sixers, I just think they have the best starting five in the league. I am... Absolutely tantalised by the pairing of Al Horford and Joel Embiid. I think Simmons is only going to continue to improve. There are questions around their shooting depth, but I've seen enough from the star players of their team to know that, you know, with some obstacles out of the way, with Kawhi out of the way and the Bucks arguably fielding a, a weaker roster, uh, there's nothing in their way anymore. Yep, I agree. I, I asked you this question with the hopes that you would say any other teams besides uh, those two. Do you want the hot take? All right, give me your, give me your illegal defence take. Uh, Utah out of the West. Okay. I think I think they're going to be the third best team out of the West, and depending on how the dice shakes out, I could see that happening. Okay. And in the East, Indiana look really good if Oladipo is healthy. But I mean, like that's a disgusting final match. I, I I can't. Yeah, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I personally had the Clippers and the Sixers as well when I asked you that question, and I stand by it. Um, I, I think it's their conferences to lose, so to speak. Um, looking forward to it. It should be a good year of the NBA. It's a lot more balanced now. Yeah. So what are we waiting for now? Like, what's the next big ticket item? Like, you know, it's a long off-season ahead of us. Uh, Kawhi's signed. The Lakers have filled out their cap space. Uh, what are you hoping to see in the next few months? Uh, well, we saw one pretty amazing Zion dunk yesterday, but apparently oh, yeah. that's done for the rest of the summer. He's done for summer league. Unreal. Like, what the heck is this, man? I, I tagged you guys in. I was like, okay, it's happening already. Yeah. Like the the big player injury has already begun. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I, I heard it's just a minor knee thing and they probably just don't want to risk their their major asset. You know what I mean? But really, like, what do you what do you look forward to until the season starts? Uh, look, for me, it's those small market teams like New Orleans, um, the new rookies, how they're going to develop. Um. I guess we'll have to see. I was really impressed by the nine minutes I saw from Zion. Um, I think he's everything we thought he would be. Uh, he might be more. He might be less. Uh, we'll have to see real games to decide. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's all the big free agent signings out of the way. 
I guess it's just hot takes until until the season starts, right? That's the only kind of takes I like around here. All right, hot takes and hot pot. Well, thank you very much, guys, for listening to Hoops and Hot Pot this week. Uh, a lot of cool stuff happening around the league. I'm still in awe of this PG Kawhi business, and I'm sure we'll be digesting it and hearing all the takes for weeks to come. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll see you next time. What it do, baby? What it do?